Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This week we're back from Venice and we're looking a little bit closer to home here in London. For those of our listeners based here, you might have noticed something a little bit special when it comes to how our city looks at night, especially now it begins to emerge from Covid lockdowns and at least, you know, some sense of normality has returned. Luckily for us, this month marks the one year anniversary of a very exciting public art commission here in London. At 3.2 miles in length, illuminated river spans from London to Lambeth Bridges making it the longest public art commission in the world and is the first cohesive lighting vision for the Thames Bridges here in central London. To find out a little bit more, today we're going to be chatting with Sarah Gaventa, director of the Illuminated River Foundation. Sarah, it's great to have you with us today and I can't wait to find out more, but before we dive right into it, would you mind telling us a little bit more about who you are and how you found yourself breathing new life into our city's bridges? Yeah, sure. So I come from an art history background. I studied art history at university and then design history at the Royal College of Art. And I suppose that I was drawn to this project because in my sort of previous work, I've worked a lot in public space. And for me, bringing the opportunity of bringing public art into the wider public realm, which this project does so well, uh, was a sort of a perfect synergy of maybe some of the work that I had done in my previous career. I used to be the government's advisor on public space at CABE, which was very much looking at the role that public realm had in the built environment and what it could do in a way to enhance people's experience of the city. And how was it that you ended up working on Illuminated River? I mean, it's quite an unusual project, so I can't imagine it was the most publicised of projects. Were you approached by the Rothschilds Foundation who were co-funding the project or? I was approached. Um, I had been the guest curator for Historic England and had recently finished an exhibition called Out There, Our Post-War Public Art, which had looked at the highs and lows of uh, public art appreciation um, uh, in our cities since the 1950s. Um, And I was working for myself and I was approached about this project. And I have to say, at first, I was a little dubious or um, unsure about it from the point of view about whether it was really for people um, and the aim of the project. But I was easily convinced once I spoke to Fabian Bramansky, who was the chief exec of the Rothschild Foundation, that this was a really philanthropic project that was about bringing public art in a generous and inclusive way outside so that people could enjoy this going about their daily lives or also make it a focus, a a point of interest that they could be drawn to. I saw the potential and the commitment of the Rothschild Foundation to do something of the highest possible quality. Yeah, I think that's definitely come through when you see these bridges and how they've been lit. I mean, they're definitely not your average streetlights, that's for sure. But I know I touched on the project a little bit just before we started chatting, but would you mind, you know, 
your expert opinion, telling us a little bit more about the project itself. So Illuminated River is the uh, is a project that has, funnily enough, illuminated nine central London bridges from London Bridge to Lambeth Bridge. And the aim of the artwork is actually to focus uh, our attention on the bridges, many of which were lit before, but let's just say more in a, in a kind of highways engineer's approach than an artist's approach, or some that had never been lit before, like Cannon Street, which is the second oldest bridge in London, but is a you know a piece of infrastructure that, that gets people into kind of all the trains into Cannon Street station. So it was, to, I suppose, literally to cast light on the river. Well, actually, the bridges, because we've taken the light off the river. So it's a very, it's a, it's a, a very uh, sustainable project in terms of um, focusing where light can be. But it was about, I suppose, celebrating the whole reason why London is there in the first place, which is which is the Thames. And what's so nice about Illuminated River is it, I think, it makes you stop and have a look and think about, uh, have a, and pause and have a moment, which I think is really important in busy busy lives rather than taking these structures which literally are part place part architecture part street and for granted as things you just hurry across or or just view in the background but as see them as as um as foreground for a change and focus on them for as a as a as such an important part of the city yeah and i was watching the lights move over waterloo bridge i think it was the other day and it It was amazing, actually, how it felt like they'd always been there and, you know, they seamlessly blended into the surroundings. But they were also quite mesmerising to watch and move and see how they changed. Was that the original intention? Well, I think I should mention the artist who is Leo Villarreal, who is an amazing American uh, light artist. And I suppose what you've said, I think, is exactly what he was trying to achieve, which was to try and make sure that the light by the fact that it moves very slowly just sort of draws you into this into this new kind of landscape of, um, of the bridges and, and highlights them. And each of the artworks, while separate on the different bridges, have a real synergy between them so that they feel like um, that, that someone has sort of, well, of course, curated and choreographed uh, the kind of dynamism between the nine bridges and revealed the character, but at the same time being unique to each bridge. And we're obviously coming up to the first anniversary of the project going live, which is pretty exciting. How would you say the first year's gone for you? The project has sort of already embedded itself into the sort of cultural landscape of London. I mean, I think some people have said to me, weren't they always lit like that? And I'm like, no, you know, and it's been quite hard for people to realise how bad they were before and when the way that they were lit compared to the what the artworks has done to transform them because I think it's fitted very well into, into that landscape and the heart of London. And it needed to be sensitive because it's a very intense part of the city. There's so much light in the South Bank, for example, and and some on the North Bank, quite a lot of light pollution. We didn't want to add to the cacophony, but we wanted to do something that had its own had its own qualities and maybe said um, that these are there may be better ways of working with light. So, in the year which you know we launched towards the end of lockdown, it provided something that we had not thought about, and that is a bit around well-being. We've had people contact us and say that you know they've paused and spent 15, 20 minutes just sort of chilling and looking at looking at the artwork um, when you think the Mona Lisa gets 20 seconds before you're moved on and also you know you know it's on every night from dusk till 2am so there's plenty of opportunity to to engage with it in all weathers and in all contexts um, and and to do that together or alone and I've seen it 
bring people together in a very nice way. And I suppose the ways that you can celebrate and enjoy it with, with us, for example, is that we are running boat tours and walking tours. There are links to all of those on our website, uh, the Illuminated River website. There's a What's On page so people can go there. And the boat tours for the Phase 2 bridges that were finished last April are all free. And then we have paid boat tours, which are still the cheapest way of having a tour on the river. They're only like £12. And then there are uh, walking tours of the Phase 1 bridges, the first four that were completed. So there's lots of opportunities to enjoy the the artwork. But also, if you want to do that on your own, there are downloadable guides also from our website that you can use colouring in kits for kids as well. So Easter holidays coming up. Of course, it's getting a bit lighter, so it might be a a night out that's a bit later. So there's lots of um, and photography workshops as well. So there's lots of things on our What's On page of the different ways that we're engaging and celebrating the artwork. Well, now that I hope it's getting a little bit warmer out there, one of the evening boat tours definitely seems like one of the best ways to see the installation but I think what's also nice about this project is that it feels like it's maybe bringing back our attention to the Thames and the bridges again and we can definitely all say you know we've looked around London's galleries and museums but I'm not sure how many of us can say we've even taken note of the main infrastructures in London and how amazing they can actually look. Yeah, no, I think that's it. I mean, we, is this, we're a city that has turned its back on the river for such, for such a long time as well, you know, and it's been actually quite difficult to access. And you can come out of London Bridge Station and you have no idea where London Bridge is or the Thames. You know, we've built so much around it and made it very difficult to access it, but it's so important. And, you know, it's a very different feeling. If you're on a bridge or near a bridge, you get this view uh, and depth of vision that you don't get anywhere else. And, in, and you can really celebrate and enjoy the city from those places and you know connect to what is this living super highway um you know that runs at 12 miles an hour and has two tides a day and over a hundred different species of fish in it um and as, and as we both said you know is is a whole reason why london is there so i think it's i think the project is really designed for londoners we don't see it as a tourist project they're very welcome to come and enjoy it and see another wonderful thing that the city offers but i think it's very much designed in our minds for Londoners so that you can take a moment um, out of your journeys or for people um, who are who visit who visit the city from elsewhere um, and you're so right about not seeing the bridges I you know I couldn't have told you the names of all the bridges in the right order before I started this project <laughs> and then people you know never had noticed Cannon Street now some people telling me that it's their favourite bridge. I mean, you know, there's, there's stories around these bridges. They're all really unique structures. You know, Waterloo Bridge was built in the Second World War by women. You know, it's um, the longest bridge on the river. It didn't have original streetlights on it because they didn't want the Luftwaffe to bomb it. You know, I mean, and Westminster Bridge is, you know, the oh, is the oldest bridge, bridge on the entire Thames. And um, it's obviously designed to green because it's... Um, reflects the seats of the House of Commons and Lambeth is red because of the seats of the House of Lords. So there's loads of stories built into these bridges as well about our city, our politics, you know, our history that that that's fascinating. And again, this project, I think there's a lot of material on the website that can connect you, I think, with the, with the unique stories that these bridges offer. You know, it's really interesting that you say that because it does feel like people in London do have maybe their favourite bridge already. And it's definitely kind of a quick talking point or it definitely was around me and my friends which now I'm looking back on it is maybe a bit weird but it is a thing I think isn't it which is yours then I think mine would probably be Albert Bridge I mean it's just 
so beautiful and it's all lit up at night and it used to be quite close to where I lived so we used to drive past it in an Uber at the end of an evening and it was all just lit up and all sparkly against the Thames and it, it did look really cool so I think for me that's got to be my favourite. Well I think I would have said Albert too before I started this project and um, and we, we surveyed all the bridges up to Albert and Albert as pretty as it is, throws out as much light as a motorway because it doesn't use LEDs and it's not sustainable. And so we had looked at um, extending the project as far as Albert and redoing the lights there, exactly the same as they are now, but we're a little bit twinkly and much more sustainable. So, you know, it's sort of, but it is, it's got that sort of wedding cake kind of feel about it and elegance and, and delicacy. But I, I would say now mine is Waterloo. Uh, it's the strength and the, it, of that bridge. You know, it's a very simple bridge, and I think the way that Leo Villarreal has dealt with how to how to illuminate it and create an artwork on it that doesn't actually sort of dominate the skyline is very clever. It's a very thin, only an inch in diameter tube of of light fitting that goes across the bridge, and then you get this beautiful pulsating light that sort of also sort of at some points joins with the cyclist lights as they're going across or or or, or the, the buses at night. So you get this kind of added kinetic kind of artwork from the sort of um, almost interactive. And I so I think for me that that's my favourite. And my second favourite, <laughs> see if I can have two, is Westminster. It's very subtle. You can't see it till you get close up because it's all about illuminating the underside of this gorgeous bridge where every single element is a different size. And um, and as I say, you know, it's the oldest bridge. So we learned a lot about the bridges when we su- surveyed them, including bits that were missing and, and dead rats. Westminster was full of dead rats, which, you know, some people might say it's, that, that's appropriate given where it is. But it's, you know, the understanding those bridges and their, and their construction and, and uh, I think the artwork on Westminster Bridge is in its glorious shades of green is is really quite a moving thing to see god i think i need to be changing my favorite bridge now don't i well you didn't you know you're allowed a favorite bridge and a favorite illuminated river bridge i think james well you'll be pleased to know i'm booked on to one of the illuminated river boat tours i think it's next week so i'm sure at that point my perception or my favorite bridge will probably also be an illuminated river bridge as well well it's very interesting because going on the boat tour you're you become within the artwork and so while it's really interesting it's it's fun you can enjoy the 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 most of the artwork from the banks of the river and you don't need to pay you can just walk walk along but actually being on the river seeing the sort of reflections and being going under the bridges you know um when they're illuminated is a really well i hope i hope the weather's good and you find it a, a really enjoyable experience well i'm definitely looking forward to it but one thing we haven't touched on yet, and I'd be interested to know more about, is how you actually chose to work with Leo on this project. Were you able to tell us a little bit more about that? Yes. So um, there was an international competition for the project with a, a pretty stellar jury, which included um, the light artist James Terrell. And Leo Villarreal and Lifshitz Davis at Sanderlands, who are British architects, who actually are the architects of the Golden Jubilee footbridges, put in a really uh, sensitive and beautiful proposal. So we had over 100, I think 106 entries, and we sh- was shortlisted to about six, and they were all displayed at the Royal Festival Hall, and there was a public vote uh, as well as uh, a jury 
and I think it came together. It was it was unanimous that this was a the ideal solution because there was a synergy between um, each artwork on each of the bridges, where many some of the other entries had done things that were very very different or very kind of um, intrusive, you know, phys big physical interventions as well as light interventions, um, which is also very difficult to do because you know most of them are grade two listed structures, you know, and uh, um, you know, if you're doing any work over a working river, which means you have to abseil and have safety boats and, you know, close off parts of a bridge or a pathway, you know, it's a, it's probably the most difficult place in, <laughs> in a city to work is a, on a bridge over a working river, which I only knew when I started to do that. So, so I think Leo's sort of sensitive approach and his collaboration with Lifshitz, Davis and Sandilands, who, who know the, who know the banks and the river and they know the, the, uh, their own bridge very well and others uh, seem like the perfect combination and Leo is a well known in America not not so much here this is his first major artwork in you know UK he does large-scale light works and he he's a sort of impressionist artist who works with a laptop instead of a palette and paints so when he was designing the artworks in detail he would sit by the river for hours with his laptop and program it so it's all about these amazing algorithms that I have no idea how they work, um, which he puts into his, he creates these programs on his computer, which makes the colors change um, and move in with different speeds, etc. cetera. Um, and, it, and what's clever about that way of working is that you can future-proof it. So after we launched the first four bridges, we realized that Millennium Bridge was a little bit too slow, that you were missing that movement because we didn't want too much because you also don't want your eye distracted by it or, or feel like it's too busy, but Leo could reprogram it. And I think as the light changes uh, around the artworks in the next 10 years, as the project carries on, Leo can come back and retweak it so that it will always feel like it's just right for that place and that moment. So yeah, it's... um. We had we had some real issues with the uh, with him working in uh, just before the launch because of course he wasn't allowed to come into the country because of COVID. So we were the first art project which actually we had a, a, a cameraman who was live streaming the bridges to him in his studio in New York, and I was standing next to them while he was programming, and then we could see the changes. He could see them a few seconds later, and we're going bit fast, bit slow. Yeah, the color looks great. So um, he had to do some of that remotely. And then when he was able to join us um, late in late spring last year, then he did some retweaking. So yeah, uh, COVID threw up lots of interesting challenges for us, but uh, but um, we managed to uh, work through them all and, and deliver it in a different way. So Yeah, I think I read something about that, that you were the first people to use that technology in that way. Is that right? Yeah, and it was interesting using that technology. He felt, I think he felt he managed it about 80%, which is pretty incredible for somebody who works literally sort of uh, in, in front of the pieces uh, on a regular basis to, for the technology to be so advanced that he felt he got more or less got about 80% right remotely. I mean, it's also made him rethink his methodology and that he can use this technology more often, which is more sustainable in terms of sort of, you know, flying everywhere to be on site all the time. And then he can just come in towards the end and be able to tweak it in person. So, but yeah, I mean, we weren't sure it was going to work, to be quite honest, when we first did it, whether the time lag would mean that um, uh, it wouldn't work so well. I mean, we, we looked at all different technologies, you know, like 
hiring a kind of BBC kind of recording van and, you know, and then, of course, you can't get to the bridges and there's no internet there and all sorts of things. So, um, yeah, uh, yeah, COVID just threw us lots of curveballs and we, um, and like everybody, I think we were all adapted and all, all changed the way that we work. Yeah, I think that's it because COVID has definitely forced us to reconsider a lot of how we work and whether, you know, how we worked previously was even necessary. So that's definitely a positive that's come out of COVID, I think. But one thing we have spoken about is the boat tour and, you know, that sounds fantastic and I can't wait. But how can our listeners actually see the lights for themselves, you know, in and around London? What do they need to know? Yes, well, I mean, it's, it's on every night. And so from dusk, so as soon as it starts to get a bit dark, the um, uh, the bridges light up and they're on till two o'clock in the morning. Um, I mean, we talk about London being a, a 24-hour city, but <laughs> frankly, as, as someone who's been out working on the river in the middle of the night, it really isn't. And it certainly wasn't during COVID. Some of the previous lighting schemes on London Bridge and some of the others were on till dawn, and we didn't think that was particularly environmentally friendly either. either. I mean, Thames means dark river. And so to actually turn everything off in a you know considered way so that it's as dark as possible from 2am till till dawn seems like a sensible thing to do and so you can see it any night it's it's just there unless there's a technical hitch sometimes you know with all the computer programming one of the bridges might might have an off night and I I and and that's funny too though because we had some initial concerns by residents um, who live near Cannon Street Station by um and by Borough Market. And now they're the ones that ring me when Cannon Street or London Bridge go off when initially they were like, we don't want you to do this project. One of them says it's like having our own personal sunset every night, which is really lovely to have. So it is there and there are plenty of pubs and free public seating because we've, we've actually put in new seating as well. Um, and there are plenty of opportunities to just enjoy uh, walking along the edges of the river and to be able to see it. So it's from London Bridge to Lambeth Bridge. And it will be there for at least 10 years, if not, I hope, hopefully longer. So you've got plenty of time to see it as well. Fantastic. Well, I think we mentioned it at the start, but it is also the longest public art commission in the world, isn't it? So it's definitely worth going to see if you can do. Yeah, so it's, um, yes, it's the longest in the world, of course, until they do something like this in China or somewhere else. But yeah, it's the longest public art work in the world, which we're quite pleased about as well. (laughs) Well, hopefully we can keep that title for a little bit longer. But I'm sure a few of our listeners will definitely take a look at the installation and stop off next time there around central London one evening. And as I said, all information can be found on illuminatedriver.london if you want to book onto one of those boat tours. And Sarah, it's just been great chatting with you today. I've really enjoyed learning about something a little bit different and also so close to home. Well, thank you, James, and for all your kind words. I would say, going back to your point, it has been a massive team effort. You know, we don't own any of the bridges, so all the bridge owners, the local authorities in London, Network Rail and Transport for London have all helped so much. Um, So it's been a a real project for the city by the city. Definitely. And that should just about conclude us for the latest episode of Temporary Mission. Make sure to tune in next week for a very special bonus episode where we'll be sharing how you can get your hands on some VIP tickets for an art fair that's just around the corner. Until then, stay safe and speak soon. With 
Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.